0: We'll turn now to Lord's Day 52 in the Heidelberg Catechism. This is on page 563 in the Book of Praise. And this afternoon we're going to focus on question and answer 127. Question and answer 127. And there we read and confess together what is the sixth petition, and that's the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is, in ourselves we are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. Moreover, our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, Do not cease to attack us. Will you, therefore, uphold and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit so that in this spiritual war we may not go down to defeat, but always firmly resist our enemies until we finally obtain the complete victory? So far the reading from the Confession of the Church. After the sermon, we'll respond by singing Psalm 73, stanzas 1, 8, and 9. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is the last petition in the Lord's Prayer. And there's only six. This is the last of the six things that we request of God, the six things that Christ has taught us to request of Him that effectively capture the whole of our life with Him. It effectively captures all of the praise that we uh, owe Him, the obedience that is expected of us as those who are being remade in His image. It encapsulates the whole of the Christian life. We're asking God to work these things in us by the power of His Holy Spirit. And so this very last one, the sixth petition, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is a deeply spiritual request. and I wonder if we kept track of all of the things that, as God's people, We bring before God in prayer, and if we were to take all of those requests that we make or the matters that we lay before Him and we split them into two columns, one column for practical sort of thing, everything is a a spiritual matter, but you know what we're talking about. If we split one thing into sort of practical things like like our physical health, our safety, the food and drink that we need for our bodies. And then have another column for deeply spiritual things like this, God's protection over our spiritual struggles, God maintaining us in our faith and, and protecting us in our spiritual battles. How much would we have in one column and, and how much would be in the other? And the reason I'm asking that is because in one column, all of the practical things, those needs that we have are usually very clear to us, and they're very obvious to us. We can see immediately the things that we need for our daily, especially physical well-being. We need food and drink. We know that. We need clothing. We all get sick from time to time. We all have loved ones who experience severe illnesses, afflictions, there's always something in front of us, some sort of unpleasantness that we ask God to address. I mean, we just take a look at the, the, the columns in our bulletins week after week, uh, all of the matters that are laid before God in prayer. These things are in front of our faces all the time. We see them every day, and we're reminded of them all the time. And so, naturally, we pray for these things. And this is good. This is pleasing to God that we consider these things uh, to be laid before Him in prayer. But what about all of the things having to do with spiritual warfare, spiritual battles? To what extent do thoughts about our spiritual well-being to what extent do those things consume our thoughts and our hearts? When you wake up in the morning, it's possible that something you might do is to go over the to-do list for that day, and you think about all the provisions that you need for that day, and you, and you ask God for them, and you plan for them, you strategize about your day, maybe your day at work. And, and how you're going to accomplish all of the things that you're going to accomplish. What about your spiritual battles for the day? Do you plan for those kinds of things in your morning routine? Do you strategize about them in the morning? Things like, for example, I know that I'll have... An opportu- the opportunity will present itself to use pornography today. How can I make sure that I'm protected against that? Or I know that greed, material greed, is something that is plaguing my heart lately. I'm really susceptible to taking advantage of something or someone for money or for doing something I know is wrong because the payoff is is really big. How am I going to be protected against sinning in those ways? How can I be on guard for what I know is going to fall into my path today? Is that part of your morning strategy? And if it's not, then why not? if the material and physical things of this life are important enough to, to plan for and are worthy of our strategy and are worthy for bringing in prayer before God for His help, then how much more does your spiritual well-being and your daily spiritual warfare need this sort of attention? In Zacharias Ursinus' commentary, so he was the primary author of the catechism, um, Zacharias Ursinus and Caspar Livianus. In Ursinus' commentary on the catechism on this Lord's Day, he points out, I think quite eloquently, how important this petition is, the fact that we are asking God To lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from the evil one. He points out this importance, and I'll quote from him here. He says, this petition is necessary, and he gives two reasons here. Here's the first one. This petition is necessary, number one, on account of the number and power of our enemies, together with the magnitude of the evils to which we are exposed, and our own weakness. So, his first reason it's because the danger is so very great. the danger of us falling into sin, being overcome by by temptation, being being overwhelmed by the attacks of our enemies and from the the, the sinful desires that spring up inside us because. Of the number and power, the magnitude of all of that that is working against us, this petition is important. So, the danger is very great. Number two, here's the second reason. On account of the preceding petition, so the fifth petition, what's the fifth petition? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So, on account of the preceding petition, we've just prayed, please, Lord, forgive us all of our sins. So that we may obtain the forgiveness of our sins inasmuch as our sins are not forgiven except we continue in faith and repentance. But, now here's the warning. This is where these two are connected. We will not continue in these. We will not continue in faith and in repentance if we are tempted above our strength. If we rush into sin and fall from God himself. So we ask for, We're asking God for forgiveness. We know that we need forgiveness for our sins. Please forgive us our debts, and therefore, so that we can be forgiven of our sins, don't let temptation overcome us so that we become lost and fall away. So yeah, sixth petition is extremely important. It's a matter of life and death. It's absolutely necessary that we pray this petition asking God, relying on God for His help in the tests of our faith and in the temptations that would destroy our life with God. God will give us His help. He will answer our requests for His help in this. But the point is, let us never underestimate the need, the constant need for God's protection and the need for us to ask God of this and then to receive it. So this afternoon, I want to focus on two aspects of this. First of all, I want to consider that in this life, number one, yes, we are, we are faced with both good and blessed tests and trials from God. We, we saw that this morning. But also evil temptations. So the fact of the matter is we do encounter tests, trials, temptations in this life. But then secondly, I want to see what the effects of each of these. So first of all, what is the effect of of a good test, a good trial? And then what's the effect of evil temptations when we give in to them? So, first of all, yes, we are faced with good and blessed trials, but also with evil temptations. We have this very serious warning in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Here, the Apostle Peter writes, Be alert and of sober mind. And then he explains why. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's quite a warning. Be alert and of sober mind. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And the conclusion that we have to come away with here is that if he is able to devour you, that is something he would want to do. And this is something that he's trying to do. So be alert. Paul, also, Paul warns in Ephesians 6, this is at the end of his, of his letter, that we must put on the whole armor of God. This is instruction. This is a command. Put on the whole armor of God so that we may be able to withstand all of the fiery darts of the evil one. Right, and all this, it's, we're being taught So clearly that we have spiritual enemies. Your enemies are attacking you every single day of your life, and they have one goal, and that is to destroy you, to try to tear you away from God, to rob you of what is promised and that is life in Jesus Christ, strip you away from that and ensure that you fall and are condemned. They want to cause you to turn away from God by following this sinful desire or that one so that you have no place in the kingdom of God and then you then belong to Satan himself and the dominion that he has been given. That's the goal of whoever is against you. That's their goal. And if you haven't thought about this, if you aren't aware of this, then the reality is you're putting yourself in danger. Now, I want to pause here for a moment and emphasize something that is absolutely foundational, that is is unwavering. We must confess. This is important. We believe and confess the truth of the word of God concerning God's preservation of those who belong to him that is absolutely steadfast nothing nothing will snatch anyone from the hand of whom will snatch nothing will snatch anyone from the hand of God whom God has chosen from eternity and whom God has given to his son for salvation absolutely full stop and that's a great comfort for us knowing that since, and each one of you can, can say this in your heart, since I belong to Jesus Christ, I've been given to Jesus Christ by the Father, I know that the Lord will preserve me and watch over me and take me through every danger and toil and snare. Full stop. It's unwavering. It's uncom- we have to be uncompromising in confessing that. But we also see the reality In the passing of time, during our life in this world, God has also given serious warnings. Serious warnings in His Word. I'll list just a few examples here. These are some of His warnings Be alert, we just read that one. Be careful, cling to God, cling to Christ, abide in Him, flee from evil, repent. Put on the whole armor of God. All of these commands and instructions that are, that are meant as warnings. If we do not do these things, then we are in danger of falling. Jesus has taught us that it is necessary to pray to God for His protection. And it's through all of these holy and godly pursuits, which God gives his help in, so all of these things that I just listed, all of these warnings of being careful and being watchful, being on guard, clinging to Christ, fleeing from evil, daily repenting and putting on the whole armor of God, it's, it's through all of these godly pursuits and godly practices that God does preserve all of those who belong to him. That's how God works out his preservation. But on the other hand, whoever fails to ask God for his help, neglects these pursuits, whoever fails to and rejects these things that God has given us for the protection that we need, that person demonstrates a lack of faith in God, a lack of Trust in His Word. That person demonstrates a carelessness about the warnings that he has been given. And such a person is in grave spiritual danger. Whoever does not heed these things is going to fail the tests that God lays out, such a person will give in to temptation, fall into sin, and, and, and live in that sin, and grow farther and farther from the blessings that are needed for that perseverance. And therefore, we have these warnings. Take very seriously the fact that every single day you are attacked And temptations into sin are the weapons that your enemies want to use against you. We realize that we are completely weak in ourselves. And if we are left to ourselves, we will certainly fall. So it's good for us to take note how often God in His Word Gives these words of warning, these commands to be careful and alert. He does this for a very good reason. He's instructing us in our new way of life. So, those are the the dangers that surround us all the time. These are the dangers of the temptations of evil. But we also recognize that God fills our life, our lives, with tests, trials that are put there for our very improvement. Now, how does that work? Okay, now I'll go back to Ursinus here, his commentary on this question and answer. So, God tests us in order to try us, and trying, that's the, the same usage that we used this morning when a, when a goldsmith tries and proves gold, God tests us to to try us and exercise us when He sends calamities upon us or when He permits the devil to provoke us so that our faith, by these exercises and trials, our faith may be more clearly manifested to us. Now, what does that mean? So, in other words, when, when God sends us a trial or when He allows the devil to dangle something in front of us, And then He answers our prayer for help, and He he delivers us from that temptation. We see that. We recognize that. And our faith, the faith that He is working in us, our faith is is recognized and, and, and seen by us, which is encouraging and emboldening, isn't it? We can see that God is at work spiritually in our hearts. So, I'll continue with this quote here by your sinus. By these examples of our deliverance. So, when we're we're tempted and then we cry out to God and God delivers us from it and we recognize His power and the fact that, boy, we really couldn't have done that ourselves. How thankful we are that, that God has done this for us. So, by these examples of our deliverance there may be confirmed in us a confidence of the divine presence and protection. How wonderful to see the hand of God in our lives, to see examples of God fighting our battles and supplying us with what we need. So we come into these trials, these temptations, so that God's might is displayed, His care for you, His love for you. We might categorize one event, let's say one test, one trial. We might categorize one event as both a trial from God and a temptation from the devil. We can think of, you know, one, one really clear example of this. Think about Job. when at, So at the very beginning, this is the first thing that, that happened to him. Because of all of the calamity that, that God brought over him, we remember that it was the devil who asked permission to do these things, and God said, yes, all of his possessions, everything that he has is in your hands, so the devil was clearly at work and and doing these things, but later on, when the devil and God are speaking about this, God is the one who takes credit. He says, have you considered my servant Job? He remains righteous even though you incited me to act against him. So the devil is at work and God is active in, in both of these, or in, in the one event. Two agents at work here. So we can categorize one event as both a trial from God and a temptation from the devil. And, and what was the outworking of this? What were the two goals that each party wanted? So Job... The devil was hoping that Job would be tempted to curse God and that he would fail that temptation and he would fall into that sin, but he did not. He withstood that temptation and the calamity proved his faith and it refined his faith. And Job gave glory to God. So these tests of God lead to godliness. More and more, our hearts are cultivated through these tests. They're cultivated with with a love for God's instruction, a love for a godly way of life. And then more tests come for further refinement. We read in Titus chapter 2 Paul's instruction to Titus about the things that he was supposed to teach to these, these new Christians. There's instruction there about so many qualities of godly life that accord with sound doctrine. So that was how, the, how that chapter started. But as for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Teach what is, what is in conformity with the truth. And then there's all of this instruction. Teach a way of life that matches the doctrine of who God is. Teach a way of life to the people of God that lines up with the goodness and purity of God. For example, be patient and pure-hearted. Teach the people to speak with dignity and seriousness. Teach them not to be enslaved to wine. Don't gossip. There's teaching for old men, for young men, for older women, for young girls. But what was common in all of this instruction for everyone was the command to be self-controlled. Be self-controlled, that is a ruling quality for all of these people. So verse two, Titus two, verse two, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled. Verse four, train the young women to love their husbands and children To be self-controlled. Verse 6, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Verses 11 and 12, the big conclusion here. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to to live godly lives. And what does that look like? Training us to renounce ungodliness, renounce worldly passions, and to live self-controlled lives upright, and godly lives in the present age. God requires every one of us to practice self-control in the face of trials and temptations. We have to be very clear about this. We are not asking God to completely shield us from trials, from tests, from temptations. There's no godliness in never being tested. Is it virtuous and godly to never be faced with a test of faith so that you never have to actively renounce ungodliness and never actively seek God and seek the good? Of course not. There's nothing virtuous or godly about never having to to do that. It's only when faced with temptation and one is able to be self-controlled and display this love for God and this hatred of evil that God is loved and honored and adored. Self-control in the face of temptation is honoring to God it displays our love to him this is what we are commanded to cultivate this is what we are commanded to ask for now the reality is we all we all confess that we have failed very miserably we all have we failed miserably to make use of the help that god gives for these temptations and this is something that every one of us needs forgiveness for. Back to the fifth petition. Forgive us for these failures. <clears throat> and when we contemplate the magnitude of our failings in this, well, then the righteousness of our Savior, our mediator, Jesus Christ, It shines all the more brightly. Think about what He did in our place, what He did for us. He's our mediator, right? So, He came and and stood in our place and did all of the things that we were supposed to do and He did them perfectly and then gave us the credit for it. And one of these things is withstanding temptation, Think about the very first temptation that he faced at the beginning of his ministry. He appears, he he takes up this ministry, he's baptized, and he goes immediately into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And what's the very first temptation? He had fasted for 40 days, meditating on his task as the Messiah, and he was tempted with food. Think about that. He was tempted with food. The act of of eating to to relieve hunger is maybe one of the most powerful, instinctual cravings that as human beings we might ever face. Jesus himself was faced with The possibility of satisfying his hunger, this is after 40 days of fasting, how long have you ever gone without food? 40 days is like incomprehensible to us, the level of hunger that Jesus was facing at this time. So he was faced with this possibility, I can satisfy my hunger right now. And use my divine power for it. That was the temptation that that the devil dangled in front of him. Command these stones to become bread. And and so easy. And in one second you can be stuffing your mouth with this bread that you want so badly. He needs food. Like, is it really that big of a deal? He didn't do it. Why? Why didn't Jesus do it? Well, and this is, this is incredible that he would do this for us. Jesus had to participate fully in the human experience, he had to know hunger. And he had to do this in such a way that he didn't, you know, cheat. If he used his divine power to soften the temptations that come upon people, he could not be our mediator. He would disqualify himself from being our mediator. If Jesus cheated and used his divine power to take the edge off of temptations... He would be denying His incarnation. He would be making it worthless. He would be nullifying the necessity of us having Jesus Christ as a human mediator. He had to experience all of the things that we would, including temptations and tests, and He had to succeed perfectly in them so that He could give us the credit for it. Jesus had to do everything perfectly, in perfect, 100% righteousness. Jesus overcame temptations in your place. He overcame temptations as your representative. His righteousness, then, is your righteousness. So when Jesus Christ goes 40 days without food and then is tempted to not rely on God and just fill his belly. The thing that he so badly wants to do, he didn't do it so that he could be your mediator. Jesus withstood the most basic, powerful cravings, and instead, as he replied, he depended upon God for his food. It would have been so easy to take what he Wanted and what He needed on different terms against the will of God in an ungodly way. What a Savior, what a mediator He is for us. And He did this at every single turn. Jesus, your mediator, your advocate, He became throughout His life, He became completely and perfectly acquainted with every temptation that could ever come upon any one of us. And what benefit for us is there in that? Well, it's an an incredible benefit. Jesus can now relate to you 100%. Whatever you go through, whatever temptations you have, Whatever desires that may come upon you, Jesus knows them because they came upon Him too. They tried to overwhelm Him, but He withstood them. And you know, we crack. We crack after, you know, what, level two of of temptation. Jesus had to withstand it to the end. To the strongest possible version of that temptation, Jesus withstood it. So he knows. He knows what you go through. And now he's your priest in heaven. When you're going through something, Jesus says, I know what they're going through. And I know what they need to get through this. And he petitions our Father in heaven. Give them what they need. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. We can be confident in this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Jesus went through it. He did it successfully. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God knows what to provide so that you can flee from that temptation and overcome it. God knows what to provide because Jesus endured it first and knows what to give you. He forgives you for all of your failures every time you didn't ask for what you needed and therefore didn't receive what you needed and you fell. He forgives you for those things. And he faced all these temptations himself and promises that that righteousness that he accomplished is yours. And when you stand before God, when you stand in judgment, all of the successful overcoming of temptation that Jesus did Himself, He gives that to you, and you claim it as your own. But continue in Him. Continue in Him. As you received Christ as Lord and Savior, and and all of His benefits have been given to you, now continue in Him in godliness. Pray to your Heavenly Father, That you may not give in and succumb to temptation, but give thanks for the tests that He gives you, for the refinement of your faith, and for the greater joy of living a holy life of thankfulness with Him. Amen.